If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here is the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and I'm here to talk about understanding and navigating autism behavior problems in children. And we're going to add into that parents, too and how your behavior will influence theirs in ways that you might not anticipate. So if you're a parent or a caregiver of a child with autism, you probably already know very well that behavior problems can be an issue on a daily basis. But what about at the holidays? Is this a time where you're looking forward to the holidays? Or is this a time where you're kind of holding your breath and getting a little nervous about certain situations, certain times, things you anticipate could be going um, less than ideally in your household. So, you know, some some households, it's from the morning wake-up routine to get to school to, you know, what do I do on the holidays? All, All of these things can bring issues and you know, it can be fraught with challenges and, and you don't really have a roadmap for this, do you? So in this episode, I'm going to use some of the tools from Parenting Reimagined, which is my toolkit to help parents. And it's been developed from human design, but largely informed by behavior science, applied behavior analysis to be specific. So the, there's a whole bunch of things in here. Um, You may recognize some ideas and not others, and and that's fine. Let's see what we can do today that's going to be different for you. And let's see what we can do that's useful. I would love your feedback later. So if you want to hop into chat and talk to me here or send your comments to mickey at gaffinstone.com, which is my email, or find me on Facebook. I'm very easy to find. Michaela Gaffinstone. I don't hide. So if you'd like to give me your feedback or ask more questions after this, that would be great. So behavior and Christmas. Let's have a look at the scene from your child's perspective. Do they know what's going on? Like what have you explained to them about the holidays and how far in advance have you explained the differences? Because for a child with autism, A change in routine is very unsettling. It's disturbing, it's unpredictable. And the word unpredictable is very, very scary for a kid with autism. And it doesn't matter how old they are. Now, obviously autism is a spectrum. And so some kids will have more of an issue with this than others. Some kids might simply say, you know what? I really don't like surprises that much. And others can go into a complete total meltdown because they have no idea what's going on. So you'll know your child, how much explanation will they need and how early and how often, right? Because telling a kid something once with any child, autism or no, once isn't likely to get through or maybe it won't stay there or maybe they didn't get the context of what you were telling them. 
So, you know, we have grandma and grandpa coming over. When? Is it now? You know, like, what does that look like? What are they coming over for? What's happening? What are they doing? What do I have to do? What does this mean? You know, lots of questions come up for these kids that they can't necessarily articulate, but they don't know what's happening. So have you told them when they're coming, why, what it's going to look like? Whenever there's a change in routine, your best bet is to give as much information as possible to your child, whether they have autism or not. Informing your child of what's going on helps them to prepare and helps them to have an idea of what they're going to do with this information. Like, what what are they looking forward to? And you can have that conversation too, particularly if your child is quite well able to articulate what's going on for them. The, the more you can have this back and forth, you know, like, what do you think about this? What are you looking forward to? What's the most fun for you? You know, really engage them in the process. When I have seen that when people just say, this is happening, that's happening and done, or they don't even give that much information, kids' behaviors will escalate. They get more and more upset and, and the behavior seems to be out of proportion. But actually, behavior does not tend to be out of proportion. It's a reflection of what's going on inside for that child. It's their communication. So if you have a kid that's getting into some pretty big meltdowns, it's a good time to stop and look. What can you do to change that for them? What can you do to relieve the stress and pressure on your child? Because they're navigating a world that they don't really get, you know, their life experience is this big. It's it's a few inches big, right, on the yardstick. Yours is the full yard. Like you've got all that experience. So you have the frame of reference. You can plan what's going on because you're in charge of it. Your child's kind of along for the ride, if you will, but they have no idea what roller coaster they're on. So you know, it's likely to be very stressful for them. What can you do to mitigate that stress, to make it less? And I would say involving your child in as many preparations as you can and chatting with them while they're doing something, explain to them why this is something that's fun right now. Why is it something that's happening in your household? And sort of explain the tradition to them so that they get an idea of, oh, we do this now because it's a time for family to get together. Okay, is that a good experience typically? Because I know not every household enjoys the family getting together, even though everybody does it every year. Well, if you have that kind of dissonance going on in your house, if, if that's the situation you have, imagine how your child sees it. They don't really understand, well, Everybody's going to argue why why are we all getting together and pretending it's fun? So if that's what happens in your household, you might want to consider how you're going to handle that and different ways to explain what's going on to your child. You know, sometimes grandma gets a bit grumpy and, you know, if you have a reason why you can give it, you know, she has a lot of pain or something, but fill them in, give them, give them a helping hand on understanding what's going on. So setting expectations is going to be your friend. You set expectations for what the adults are going to be doing and you set the expectations 
for what your child is expected to do and where they can participate, where they can choose to not participate. And having those options is really helpful for all of you. So if you typically expect your kids to be joining in with everything all the time, I, th I think if you consider it from their perspective, you'll see that that can be overwhelming in a hurry. There's so much going on and there's so much noise and bustle and it's not school anymore. And there's a lot of talk about everything being wonderful and jolly and, and so on. But what does the child do with that information? How, how does that land? And when their expectations are unreachable because they don't really know how high they go, then really, you know, how are they going to behave? They're going to feel let down at some point simply because they were kind of reaching for the clouds and didn't know where the clouds were. Can you help them to be more grounded so that they don't have that sort of endless expectation of everything's going to be wonderful and I'm going to get a pony and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that, you know, really bring it into something that the child can handle. And then conversations about Santa. Okay, now this is something, if you haven't already gone to see Santa and get the pictures taken, if that's something in your household, then I'm glad to get in at this point because that's part of the Christmas tradition that I think is very difficult for so many reasons. So you have probably spent some time explaining stranger danger to your child and telling them, you know, don't take candy from strangers, don't talk to strangers, don't go off with them, et cetera, et cetera. And then Santa, this, this large old man with a face full of fur, you can't see their face, is sitting there and you want your child to go sit on their lap and tell them that they want things. It's an incongruent message. You're telling your child stranger danger and then you're giving them the most unusual looking stranger who's kind of hidden under all that face fuzz, and you're telling them to go sit on their lap. There, there is a mixed message there that is really disturbing to the child. And the other thing is, if the child's saying no, or if they start to cry, which so many of them do, then forcing the issue to get the photo is actually damaging for the child because they don't have bodily autonomy anymore. You're telling them you don't have a choice, you have to go sit on this person's knee or sit next to this person. And that's really, if you think it through, is that the message you wanna to give to your child? Regardless of the child's age or abilities, do you really want them to feel that they have to do what the adults want because the adults can't take the word no? Sounds kind of harsh, but really think about it from the child's perspective. It's something that you wouldn't do the rest of the year. So now doesn't really make sense to the child to go sit on Santa's lap. It's the same thing when you have relatives visiting. Now, they might not be strangers or they might be. Maybe you only see them once a year. But are you asking your child to, you know, go hug grandma or grandpa? Are you asking them to be in physical contact with people that they might not know or they might not remember? Or they might simply not be feeling that they want to be in that physical contact. Are you expecting that of them? Because if you are, 
I'm going to suggest consider that the adults involved in this situation are the ones that can accept the word no. And the child shouldn't have to be the one that accommodates what the adults need. If you, if you think about it, really, grandma doesn't have to have a hug. She can have a wave or, you know, maybe a high five, something like that. But respect the child's boundaries, respect the child's bodily autonomy, whether it's family and friends or whether it's Santa. Asking them to sort of pander to what the adult wants really isn't fair for the child and, and it causes upset for them. Now you're looking for a happy holiday and your child's starting off all upset because they've had to touch people that they don't want to touch or they've had their cheeks pinched and you know their head patted and stuff like that. Now if, if I came up to you and did that to you, I don't think you'd like it, right? So if you cannot do that to your child, I think you will be off to a really good start. And this is something we don't typically think of, right? It's more, well, you know, this is grandma, so of course you want to give her a hug. But do they? You know, we we don't often take time to consider what does the child want. Let's do that now. Let's do that for these holidays and really give them the space to say no. And while we're talking about space, where have you got that's safe for the child to go while all the people are here? Where you can allow them to escape the noise and the ongoing bustle? Because allowing escape in your plans for the child, for yourself too, honestly, you know, that's that's going to help you sort of diffuse some situations before they ever become a big issue. So I would say factor that in. What can your child do when they don't want to be in the middle of the bustle, when they don't want to be surrounded by people? Now, of course, all of this is assuming that that's how busy your household is, but I'm kind of running with that for the moment. So we're going to have a break momentarily. And when we come back, I'm going to look at gifts and how to handle gift giving and the child that uh, gets overexcited or doesn't tend to be happy. Let's have a look at that after the break. So stay right with me on navigating complicated relationships. And we'll be back talking about navigating behavior over the holidays. Stay tuned. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. 
This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Michaela Gaffin-Stone. I'm a BCBA human behavior expert and someone who's really interested in advocating for child welfare, child well-being, because when the child's happy, the parent can be so much happier and you're all having a better time. So here at the holidays, this is such an important thing because these are the memories that your child's going to bring forward. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what's your favorite Christmas memory? And wow, you know, I don't actually celebrate Christmas. So I had to really think about how I wanted to answer that. But the thing is, I could think of the time of year right away and think of things to respond with. Now, what's your child going to have when somebody asks them? What are their favorite memories from Christmas? What's something that really stood out for them? And I think very often it's when the child is involved in the plans, in the preparation, and most crucially, when they do something, it's accepted and left as it is. So for example, if you're getting your child to help with the decorations, I think that's great. Give them things that they can be successful at. And when they've done it, whatever it looks like, if the snowman has three eyes, so be it. If the angel is a little wonky, that's just fine. It doesn't matter. The key is that the child is proud of their effort and that you commend them for their effort, right? They have done a fabulous job because they did what they could do and they're doing the best they can. So if you can put aside the temptation to fix whatever they've done, and especially if if you really like things neat and tidy, that can be difficult. On the other hand, by now you, you have kids, so you've probably gotten over that a little bit. You know, the neat and tidy thing and kids don't tend to go together so well. So, you know, really accept what your child contributes and praise them for it. Can they help you make cookies? Can they decorate them? Can they mm, measure things using scoops or depending on the age, can you get them cooking a dish? You know, how involved can you get them to be? Kids love to be a part of what's going on. They don't really want to be put to one side and, and, you know, wheeled out to sort of behave well and then go away again. That's more or less how it was when I was growing up, but hopefully we've improved from that now and don't feel the need to do that to our kids. So really look at it from their perspective. What's what's their memory going to be like? And here's a thought too. When you're looking at the Christmas gifts, which we mentioned just before the break and how kids can get overwhelmed or they they really have their sights set on something that there's just no way they can have that pony and it's not wrapped up and under the tree, right? So that managing expectations is going to be key there, but also don't be tempted. If you can possibly help it, don't be tempted to use gifts as a barter for good behavior. So if you're saying, well, you can have your gifts if you behave well, or you can have your gift after you've done this chore or or whatever, that ceases to be a gift because it's become transactional. It's something the child then has to earn. And that puts a whole different complexion on the whole idea of gift giving and gift receiving. 
it you've just shifted the dynamic, right? So if I said to you, here, you can have this brand new sweater, but first you've got to, oh, I don't know, do all the washing up. Did you just earn the sweater? I, th I think you did. It's the same thing for the child, right? We don't do that to each other as adults. So ideally, don't do it to the child. Then with gift giving, um, it's hard to know how many gifts you do in your household. Certainly, I can't guess. But if you can pace them, you know, have people take turns. And here's something I like the idea of. How about when your child opens a gift, they express to the person who gave it to them, however they can, whatever stage they're at in their childhood, how can they express to that person what they liked about the gift and thank them for it? So, for example, oh, I really love that you thought about me and, and got me this beautiful pink elephant. I love elephants. Thank you. You know, that's a, it's an example and it, it very much depends on how verbal your child is and so on. But a key here would be to role play before people arrive, before gifts happen. How can you respond to this and um, take a little time for that gratitude practice? Right. We're not going to necessarily label it gratitude here and, and there's no energy of forcing it, but it's more a little practice of Oh, what could you say about this? So that they consider the gift before they toss it to one side and grab the next one, right? So, because in some households, it's like tear the paper, throw the gift, get the next one, tear the paper, throw the gift. There's no satisfaction in that for anybody, including the child. So if you can slow it down a little bit and introduce some thoughtfulness in there, that's a really lovely way to sort of simmer down on the, gift giving frenzy, right? And it's over so quickly that the child's emotions have kind of spiked and then they drop down again. This is where you get meltdown and I want that present. No, I want this one. And, and kids start fighting over stuff, right? So keep a lid on that by slowing it down. Now, if your child does get to the point of having a meltdown or, you know, they're going off on a rant about something, please do them and everybody really, a big favor, don't film them. Put the phone away. I see kids on media that have been filmed having a meltdown, they're, they're terribly upset, and the parents either showing how funny that is or they're showing how, you know, I know how to handle my kid. Well, none of that is appropriate for the public domain. Imagine your child three years old, having a major tantrum, pulling their hair out, throwing things, whatever they're doing. And then later in life, they're like 15, 16 years old. And somebody says, hey, I found a video of you online when you were three. Look at this. It's so funny. They, they are going to be so embarrassed, mortified even, that this exists and that the world and his dog can see them on the media having a meltdown you know, or swearing. A lot of people like to film little kids swearing. Well, okay, it does sound funny coming from a little kid, but guess what? What we all hear is that the child is parroting the parent and they don't understand when the parent finds that funny, right? Because, well, you said 
that that's what it was. Why, you know, why is it funny when I say it? And I see kids looking really confused. So who are you parenting? Are you parenting social media people or are you parenting your child? So I will ask again, please put the phone away. Don't film your child doing anything embarrassing. In fact, really, do they need to be on social media when they're little kids? Because there are all kinds of freaky people out there. They get a hold of pictures of kids and we don't need to go into that right now. But do you want your kid to be out there? Maybe not. You know, so when you were little, you were not on social media. You were not filmed having your tantrums. They can become stories that people tell, but do you really want it in the public domain? I think probably not. So let's put the phones away. And that can be a really good practice too. Like you can, everybody can put their phones in the middle of the table and then you have a bet as to who's going to be the first person to pick theirs up and they get to do the washing up, for example, or they get to stand up and sing a song, something, you know, but, but really make it a feature that people don't use their phones and film others and then put it out on social media because that's just really not fun for the child later. Now, if you have a child that's having difficulty managing their emotions, this can be a great time to sort of talk about feelings and maybe express what's going on for them through drawings, or maybe they can tell it to you. Maybe they tell it to you and you write it down. You can make a character that experiences those feelings. So it's kind of a a little bit removed from the child. So, hey, Snowy the Snowman gets really overwhelmed when all the gifts start happening. What can Snowy do about this? You know, and and yes, it all involves you spending a lot of time with your child, but I'm going to suggest that that's what the holidays are for. So this would be a way to spend time with your child, having a good positive experience and not putting out fires and managing their meltdowns, right? So that can be something that you you spend a little time on and you could start today. It doesn't have to all wait for the big day. In fact, spreading this stuff out would be a really good idea because changing routine is happening now. So how about you start introducing different things? Situations that you think your child might find difficult over the holidays, something that's new, such as a person they haven't seen, or, you know, that you're going to have a lot of people over for dinner. How can you role play with that and find out from them, what would they like to do? Do they want to be sitting at the table first? Do they want to sit at the table last? Does it really matter to anybody else if the child gets to choose that? Can they help you set the table? Does it have to be perfect if they're going to do that? You know, what can they do and how can they be involved so they don't feel like an afterthought? Because when kids feel like they're not being paid attention to, they get loud and they get persistent because it's necessary for them to have your attention. So think about how you want them to get that attention from you. Do you want them to, you know, throw a major wobbly in the middle of dinner? Or would you like them to be involved from the start so that they don't need to do that? Those are some choices that you can think about. How are you going to manage that? 
and delegate. You don't have to do all of this with your child. You can have other people involved. Get them to do certain things with your child. Have different people role play with them. That can be really cool too. It can be very helpful to give them an idea of how this new situation can go on. Now, remember, I don't know what age and stage your child is at. I don't know how verbal they are, but you can tailor, hopefully, the tips that I'm offering today to suit your household. None of this is a, you must do that. And I'm certainly not saying you're wrong over here, possibly with the social media, but you know, it's, it's up to you. It's your household. So I hope you're getting some good notes from this because we have another break coming up very soon. And this is your opportunity to really catch up with what I'm offering, question anything, come into the chat. If you have some questions for me, that'd be great. I'm happy to answer them. And if I can't answer them, I'll tell you so. So send me emails afterwards, if you like, mickey at gaffinstone.com. You can always find me on my website, gaffinstone.com. And you can find me on social media. You can also find this podcast on pretty much any format you like. There are over 450 platforms. So holy smokes, you can listen to this as many times as you like and on different platforms. How cool is that? So keep your notepad ready. We're coming right back after the break with more tips and ideas and thoughts on how to handle the holidays so that you and your child have a good time. That's really what we're here for. See you in a minute. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here and hopefully still taking notes. And I'd like to mention that if you're hearing things that are a little bit different to how you're used to doing them, first of all, yay. And secondly, if you'd like more of that, I do have a parenting reimagined program where I tailor it to your family specifically, your needs, so that you can do things differently to certainly things that you didn't like when you were being raised, because we all have some stuff we didn't like. And how, you know, you see other people doing it, but it's not really working or you don't really like it. 
let's reimagine that and do it differently so that your household can have fun, you know, put the fun into functional, like literally. And a child that typically has behavior issues is someone who really they're expressing their communication to you. They're communicating that they have a problem and we can figure out what is likely to be the problem and how to address that. So if you're interested, contact me on mickey at gaffinstone.com or find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or even Instagram, and I will respond to you. So let me know. Now let's, having said all that, let's leave kids alone for just a moment and have a look at the animals in your household, because this is important as part of your fun holiday and theirs, and not ending up in the ER, for example. So first of all, animals, I shouldn't have to say it, but I'm going to anyway. Animals are not gifts for a season. They get bigger, they get messy, and they tend to shred furniture. So let's not give the puppy for Christmas, okay? If you can possibly manage it, unless this is something that you've really been planning for a long time and you know exactly what you're gonna be doing with this animal when it gets bigger, because some of them get huge. We, one of our dogs started off as, you know, this cute little thing and I could hold him and what have you. And now he's 160 pounds. So, you know, that's not where he started off, but he also wasn't a puppy for Christmas, right? So if you cannot give animals for Christmas, I, I think that's helpful. And teach your kids to give the animal space. Animals too have boundaries. They don't like everybody coming up and touching them. They don't like kids climbing on them, pulling their ears and poking their eyes and doing all those things. And if a dog is very gentle, then they will probably tolerate that, but the dog's not happy. And it's not fair to let the child do that to the dog because one day they could poke too hard or pull the ear too hard or do it at just the wrong time and the dog bites. And then suddenly the dog is, uh, you know, dangerous, but actually he's had a hard time or she's, you know, been mistreated by a child who doesn't know how to do it differently. So teach your child to be gentle, teach your child to give the animal space. And at the same time, I'm very much a fan of if your dog lives with you, then other people don't get to send your dog outside into the cold. You know, I think that's just, it's a personal preference. Um, I don't like it when people want my animals to go elsewhere because they live here, just like your kids and just like your spouse, you know, they live here. So let's not be throwing them outside into the cold. Going back to children. I did need to say that bit about the animals though. So please think of them. Also the noise, you know, the, the noise in the household, give your animals somewhere that they can go that's quieter? Do you have a room that they can access and kind of, if, if, if they have crates, that's even better. Just leave the door open so the dog can put themselves to bed when they need to. Really good idea. The dog is then indicating to you, this is my time for, to be quiet. If you have cats, good luck, first of all, good luck, but they'll take themselves off, let them. That would be the best bet with cats. So, gifts. Now, one of the things that we tend to get happening at Christmas and at birthdays and any of the celebration times is child gets a gift, other child wants to share it. 
They want to have a look at it. They want to go play with it. They want to do whatever. So many parents feel pressured at this point to have their child be well-behaved. You know, you're going to show that I'm a good parent by behaving well and here, share your gift. Well, if I gave you a brand new piece of jewelry and then asked to wear it, how would you feel about that? Or if I gave you a cashmere sweater and said, now I want to borrow it, excuse me a moment, <clears throat> how would you feel about that? Probably not great, right? We don't typically give things and then say, you know, here you go, now give it back to me, I want to play with this. It's, it's very sticky energy, you know, it's not, it's not a, a happy gift giving. So the child, they've just got something new Chances are it's something they've been really looking forward to or they're excited to have at least because, you know, we don't tend to give gifts in order to be boring. So your child's got this new thing and then another kiddo comes along and they want it. What are you going to do? I'm going to say buck the trend. Your child does not have to share, especially not when it's something brand new. We don't share everything as adults. So I'm not quite sure what the point is to making kids do that. But if you wouldn't do it as an adult, it's not reasonable to expect more of your child, right? If, if you would find that a stretch, then the chances are really good that your child isn't going to want to do that. So set that expectation beforehand with all the kids involved, anybody that's around, and the adults too, right? Rules for today. We do not have to share if we don't want to. And that goes for everybody, right? And how freeing is that? I've got this new gift and I can play with it. Yay. I love that. So buck the trend and start a new tradition in your household where this is a day, regardless of how you do it the rest of the year, this celebration day, whether it's birthday, Christmas, whatever, Easter, whenever you give gifts, this is a day where you don't have to share. How nice is that? Now there's a whole battle you don't have to have, right? You don't have to fight with, okay, now it's his turn. Now it's her turn. Da, da, da. All of that has gone. So give yourself a big break here and just don't have that fight over sharing. You could right now even start something called a gratitude jar. And whatever stage and age your child is at, they can draw pictures or they can write something and they can put one word or one picture in this jar for something every day, right? Or they could do it one in the morning, one in the evening. It depends on how busy you want the jar to be. And then at the end of that, everybody gets to pick something out and read it or guess what the drawing is, that kind of thing. It can become a game even, but it's a gratitude jar the point being, they're thinking about what am I happy about? What am I appreciative of? What do I understand I have that is a gift? Not just the gift in the wrapping paper, but something that's good in my life. Any child can do this to their age and ability. So think about how you can get them involved in that. And, and that can be like a little morning ritual. Here, have breakfast, do something for the gratitude jar. That could even be a practice you do all year round. But for now, we'll, we'll just talk about getting it ready for the holidays because that can be so much fun, right? So 
building quiet time as well. I mentioned this earlier, but I, I think it tends to get forgotten. It gets put on the, the back burner a little bit um, in all the plans. You just kind of figure, well, if you've had enough, you take yourself off. But wouldn't it be good to set that up before you need it? That leads me very nicely to something called precursor behaviors. This is straight out of behavior analysis. So I'll explain it a little bit, but your child will have telltale signs when they are becoming overwhelmed, when they're escalating in their feelings. And even if they're not telling it to you, you'll see something. There's a look on the face, there's a twitch, there's a behavior that they do. There's something that lets you know, uh-oh, we're building here. Now, instead of waiting for the storm to break, there's something you can do. When you see what's called a precursor behavior, that telltale sign, have a pre-planned thing to do where you take your child out of that busy environment, the place where they're becoming overwhelmed, and give them something to focus on that is not electronic. That's really important because of the way the brain's wired. Give them like count the cars going past outside or look at the snowflakes or whatever you've got going on, but give them something to look at, to focus on that's not electronic and help them to just kind of bring themselves down. Because when a child becomes dysregulated, just the same as an adult, when they become all upset, the brain is flooded with chemicals, hormones that tell them fight or flight. So, when you're getting ready to run from a saber-toothed tiger, you can't hear what people are telling you. So you can't hear people calming you down with their strategies and what have you. It, you can't really access it. It's one of the reasons why telling somebody to calm down has never worked in the history of ever. Like if, if you want to really annoy somebody, tell them to calm down. And even if they're calm, they'll get mad at you. But back to the dealing with the child, you, you take them to a quieter place let them just kind of focus on something and maybe they can count or draw or whatever's chill for them. And when you can see that they're, they're sort of more regulated, maybe have a little walk so those hormones can go through the body and then take them back into that environment and they'll do a lot better. I've done this with kids who have become so upset, they end up hitting somebody. And when the parent started working on the precursor behaviors and could see, oh, I see these telltale signs. She would, the child I'm thinking of in particular, she'd take him off and have him watch squirrels and stuff and bring him back about 20 minutes later. Now they can get through parties, parades, all kinds of things. And he doesn't end up hitting anybody because he has learned by repetitive behavior, by being taken off to calm down. He's learned to do it for himself now. So how cool is that? It's a coping mechanism that the child can learn for themselves. And you don't have to yell at them and you don't have to give them a timeout. In fact, please don't. Timeout doesn't really work for kids. It's great for parents though. Like if you want a timeout, take one and just tell them, I, I need a timeout right now and I'm taking one. I'm gonna be in my room reading a book. I used to do that with my kids when I was little and it was great. It worked very well. So think, rethink how you're doing things, literally reimagine how you are parenting, especially at the holidays. Do the expectations that you have have to be there? Do they have to be that way? 
do things have to go this particular order? Or can you change things up and make a new tradition with your child at the center? How amazing would that be for them? And this is a big holiday for the kids, right? The adults have already got their patterns in place, but what about the kids? What would you like them to learn? And what would you like them to remember from these holidays? I would love your feedback on that. So do let me know. Send me an email if you'd like, vicky at gaffinstone.com. And meanwhile, don't go away. We are at break time yet again, and I have a little bit more to go through with you. So stay right here on Navigating Complicated Relationships. We're at the Inspired Choices Network, and I will see you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here. Thank you for still being with me, keeping me company. I don't really want to talk to the void. So I'm glad to have somebody that's listening and maybe making notes. And, you know, by all means, give me your feedback. That would be just wonderful. I love that. And, you know, I could improve what I'm suggesting to you if I get some feedback that gives me more ideas or that, you know, maybe alters how I'm looking at things. You know, I'm open for a new perspective. That's all about parenting reimagined, right? Is your new perspective. So let's talk about food for a moment because food is really central to this. And this is a time where eating disorders can actually begin. Not solely at Christmas, but it's it's a big feature, right? Because food gets associated with certain things. Like, well, whenever I see grandma, I, I eat this. Or when I get upset, I get a cookie or I fall down, I get an ice cream. Like we, we have these associations and they tend to be, interestingly enough, the associations tend to be with food that has a whole lot of sugar in it and probably fat and not really the good fat. So look at what you're giving your child. How much sugar are they getting? And how much red food dye, particularly if you're in the US, because they don't tend to allow that stuff in Europe. But look at the food dyes and the sugar that your child is consuming. And then look at their behavior. If you've got a child who's pinging off the walls and they're hard to manage and they start having temper tantrums, have a look and see how much sugar have they consumed. And do they have to have that much? Can you make it less a feature on the table. <clears throat> the adults don't need it either, honestly. So I'm not trying to rain on, on your parade here, but having an awareness about how much sugar you're feeding your kids is going to affect your holiday. It's going to affect how they behave and it's going to affect how they feel. They, they're so flooded with all the sugar and pinging off the walls and then they have a crash and there's you know, a mood issue There's a whole lot going on there, right? 
and you're building associations with food. So if there's something that, you know, Auntie May always brings and, you know, it's Brussels sprouts with chili, for example, well, if your child doesn't like it, please don't make them eat it. They, they will never want to try that food again. So if your kid is a chicken nuggets every day, all day kind of child, then maybe have some chicken nuggets for them so that they can participate at the table without having to eat food they don't like. Because chances are, you know, Brussels sprouts with chili, as a kid, I wouldn't have liked that very much. As an adult, I'm going to give that a go. I, you know, I'm interested in that because nobody made me eat it. But foods that I have been made to eat as a child, I don't want to touch that stuff now. And I will bet you can think of things that you had to eat as a kid. Otherwise, there were starving children in X country that, you know, were going to go without because you weren't eating your peas or whatever it is. Right. Do you remember that? Did you grow up with that? Because I did. And I could never understand why I couldn't just mail it to them. But, you know, that aside, it, how do you want that to play out for your child? And I'm going to suggest don't force them to eat any particular food. They could sniff it. They could look at it. And if they don't want to try it, that's okay. Now is not the time to force that issue. This is about having a good time. People will bring the dishes that they like. So if your child doesn't like them, maybe have a dish they like. You could put chicken nuggets on the table. Why not? If that's what they want and that'll make them happy, I, I'm going to say go for it. Why, why not at all? This is something that they'll remember is, oh, yeah, my chicken nuggets were in the shape of Christmas trees, whatever it is, right? So food, don't make it a fight. Make it something that is enjoyable. It's community. You're sharing it with your family. But it's not it has to be this way. You've got to eat that. That's the thing with family style eating, right? You have lots of dishes there. It would be ideal if you didn't have to eat all of them. And if you can have options that everybody likes. So that would be very cool. And then I do want to leap to the perennial or interrupting adult conversations, right? This is something that tends to cause a lot of stress at this time of year too, because the children want attention. They, they want your attention and they want it now, not in five minutes or not when you finished your conversation, because an adult conversation could go for a very long time. And the child has this long, you have this long, you know, it's, it's something that can stretch. So for them, they need your attention now. Can you set up a system where they can indicate to you, this is really important and I need you now by a certain tap on the shoulder or a tug or something. And the trick is you give them the attention because they're asking for it right now. So hang on a sec. I'll get back to this conversation momentarily. What do you need? And you ask the child, right? And then depending on the age and stage, you can sort of have them do less of that and explain to them the, the balance between them having your immediate attention and when it's important and them not getting your attention and escalating the noise right? Because kids will get louder. Have you noticed that parents at the park, for example, who are on their phones, have kids that are behaving outrageously? Kids are getting loud. They're doing crazy stuff. Why are they doing that? Because it's a bit like a clown at a circus. They're trying to get your attention. And if your attention's on the phone, they have to get louder and noisier and more obnoxious. 
So this is, it's a self-fulfilling thing, right? So rather than going that route, and we've already put the phones down, right? We've already done that. They're in the middle of the table or they're in a basket at the entrance or something, but they are not in your hand filming your child having a meltdown. So, you know, how can you set up a system with your child so that they do get your attention when they really need it and they don't get your attention sort of every single time? There's a, there's a balance here and it will depend on your child's age and stage, right? But that is something that now is a perfectly good time to work on it. And the final thing I, I want to throw out there for all of this is give yourself a high five. Give your kids lots of praise and you can all go jump on the trampoline as a celebration when you've had a good time for a while, right? Or even to blow off steam. But get in there and enjoy this time of year with your kids and remember that from their perspective, they have no idea what these adults are doing right now. That There's stuff going on that they just don't get or it, it seems weird because it's not the usual routine. And if your child is neurodivergent, chances are they have extra work to do just to keep up with what everybody's doing. So give them a helping hand by involving them, explaining to them what's going on, and maybe even have like a, a visual schedule on the fridge where they can see pictures. First this, then that, then that, you know, and they can even move them around if there's Velcro on the back. So involve your child and give them every chance for success and that will give you every chance for success as well. And instead of getting to the holidays, the end of the holidays, sort of whew, with more gray hairs than you started with, you can get to the end of the holidays and say, wow, that was really cool. That was so much fun. Let's do it like that again, right? So this is Holidays Reimagined with Parenting Reimagined. So if you'd like to do things differently with your child, and build different memories for them and do things the way you would like to have had them when you were a child, then Parenting Reimagined might be a program for you. You can find me on gaffinstone.com. You can email me, mickey at gaffinstone.com. I'm available on Facebook, Messenger. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm in all of those places. So have fabulous Christmas. Really enjoy your time. Remember to look after your animals, look after your kids, and the adults can accept no when they need to. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makayla returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.